0: Hi, this is Jean Deschamps and William bobien suligny for another podcast reviewing one of our mini reviews of recent articles in the world of ultrasound. So today we'll be talking about um, the effects of a multi-organ focused clinical ultrasonography on length of stay in patients admitted with a cardiopulmonary diagnosis, a randomized control trial by Sid Serra in JAMA Open uh, published in 2021, actually, very, very recently in December. Um, and this study is, is quite interesting because of the RCT. Um, the study was a prospective parallel group superiority study, randomized control trial with one-to-one allocation ratio uh, done in, at the Royal Melbourne uh, of adults. And it took patients admitted to the internal medicine ward with a cardiopulmonary diagnosis that um, uh, had to have an assessment. And what they did is that they involved an internal medicine physician um, and... Uh, one group had uh, a study performed by an, a, another party uh, of heart, lung, and a two-point vein compression ultrasound, and that was then. Gay that wasn't given to uh, the physician in on one on one side for the patients that were allocated to the intervention, and it wasn't given to the physician as an extra data point uh, in the control group. And what they looked at is the primary outcome. And the primary outcome was a very interesting one, a length of stay, length of hospital stay specifically. Um, And they were looking at a difference between 24 hours as clinically important. The other secondary outcome that were very, very cool to look is readmission in 30 days and also hospital care costs and a lot more granularity than just hospital care costs. So they ended up getting 250 patients um, that were enrolled, two were excluded, 248 were included and in the end what they realized uh, to give the final the the final result is that the length of stay was uh, similar between two groups Um, as such also the 30-year admission as well as hospital cost were the same so in the end, this would be considered, quote unquote, a negative study. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's actually quite interesting to see, because if you go into the text, which we'll go about, you'll see a lot of other things that make it a very interesting uh, study to look at, to learn about how, where to go next. And that's the goal of this um, of this podcast, is to where do we go next? So, um uh, let me just start by asking uh, William here, what do you think were, were good things that this study did that really impressed you in, the, in, in, this whole, uh, in this whole endeavor?
1: Yeah, well, we can agree that they tried to tackle a very important subject uh, and a very complex question, uh, which is, uh, is point-of-care ultrasound at the moment of admission really changes some uh, patient-centered outcome? Uh, length of stay, and also some economic outcome, as you said. So uh, it's uh, I, th- I would say it's a co- courageous sto- uh, study. Um, it's, it's a lot of work also to perform a randomized trial like that. And I think it was methodologically uh, very strong. Uh, but uh, as, as, uh, as I said, it's a very broad question because when you think about it, there is multiple interacting com- components. When you think about one Examination at the beginning of the hospitalization, changing patient outcome. Well, there is multiple components. So first, there is the question whether in a significant proportion of these patients, the exam will change the management is the first step. Uh, the second step is that, uh, well, the information that will transmit it to the attending physician, uh, will it be understood by the attending physician? Uh, and will the change in management will really be appropriate for the status of the patient and after that it is to determine if the change in management will have a significant impact on the next days even weeks after this exam took place so it's what we define as a complex medical intervention and those trials about not only focus but trials about complex medical intervention are notably challenging to do and also to interpret.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and yeah, no, and you, as you said, I think it, it, there's a lot of moving parts. And to me, one of the big ones is is if you pick an outcome like length of stay, that has a whole set of other things that's, that are very hard to control. Like I'm thinking of how many patients that medically are cleared, but can't go home for other reasons. And then a length of stay outcomes becomes, you know, a very pragmatic outcome, but doesn't really reflect if your intervention actually had an impact, which was a very interesting thing for two reasons here is one for what else they use as secondary outcomes. And the first one was um, if you actually look at the study, the length of stay, to me anyway, was surprisingly low for a population that was much older. We're talking, I think, a a median of 80 years old. And these patients went out there more than a week in the hospital, which to me is, 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 is a little bit surprising. But it also means that in this study, probably length of stay was not affected that much by lo- logistical elements, such as, you know, um, doesn't have the home services to go home, doesn't have an outpatient rehab facility bed available, all these things that would influence the heart outcomes. So it makes probably the result more reliable. In my opinion, that in this situation, the way this was set up, it didn't have as much of an impact as we, we thought it would in how the patient was managed medically. Yeah. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, it's a very interesting observation. I would, one hypothesis, I don't know if it's the case, but uh, because they had to obtain informed consent, the patient that were able or that was, uh, that, where a uh, substitute stu- decision-maker informed consent was easy to get may have been overrepresented. And those, pa- those critically ill patients without family or which tend to stay longer in the hospital may be underrepresented in, in this trial.
0: No, that's a very good point. And, you know, and, and it begs the question At that point is, is, um, is, how do you expect the test to improve length of stay? And, and these are all the questions I think we've addressed quite quite clearly but but really when you think about how does a a test improve length of stay you also have to think about the unmeasured benefits that you can't really look so the, the couple of ones that they tried to measure at hard outcomes where uh, first off um i think it was a very strong point is economic data and data for the test which end up being the same cost for both um you would think that if you're able to do uh, echoes and so on you're able to save yourself some extra tests and so on Uh, but i think it's again a situation where there's a lot of moving parts and when you're starting a project it's not a use people are not used to and the physician that's making a decision is not the one doing the echo i don't know how much early on in the process you're going to be able to save tests i think that there's a lot to be said about sometimes over testing or extra tests if you do echo but there's a lot of other settings where if you have somebody who's quite experienced and does it all the time you might actually save yourself some tests but you need time for this to become apparent institutionally, I would say. Um, I don't know, that's such a thought I had when I looked at this. Yeah, and um, in
1: some in some groups it may have saved some tests, but in others it may have added some tests because of incidental findings, for example.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, it, it's one of those studies that I would think you'd redo a year afterwards after people have been used to doing this and seeing this. And maybe you, you have different results at that time because Institutionally, people are now used to trusting the service in the results as compared to using it as a, hmm, I'm going to need this to confirm the test that some of my colleague did or something like that. So um, I think when we look at this, then uh, we have to question whether the outcome is these kind of outcomes, the hard outcomes are the one that you want to go after. Uh, I think you have to go after hard outcomes when you're trying to prove if a test works. But I think that uh, there's, there's room for other things. And we were discussing another study that I'm going to let you kind of touch upon that broaches the other parts of trying to determine how to prove a test actually does something.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so in a, a, a trial, not only on POCUS, but a, on any complex medical intervention, it's, it's, it, will be, it will have been nice to have some uh, process measures. For example, we say that if POCUS have, to have an an impact on patient outcome, there there must be a change in management, right? So uh, that's that's one aspect that I would like to see in this trial, uh, seeing um, how many, what percentage of the case there was actually a change in management following the results of the ultrasound exam. Because when a, a trial on a complex intervention fails, you want to move forward, Like you want to know why it failed. So by having this some sort of process measure, you can tell, well, this trial failed because of something that was before this process measure or after. For example, if within this trial, we would have documented that there were significant change in management, we could have done another future trial. Focused on uh, um, focused on seeing if other uh, approaches, for example, repeated assessments or uh, different population, will have uh, will have uh, produces better results.
0: Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, and and I think and I think that's where um, you you have to ask yourself the question too, and it's something in, in the measured unmeasured benefit as well. I would say in those process things is is, is what. Like if you don't get a change in management, does, does that mean the test wasn't helpful? And it 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 makes that those process measures that you're talking about are very important, but are not necessary on their own. You have to couple them with an outcome. So when you look at this meta-analysis, meta- it, it, it's all fun and games. It, I, and I like the result that you have there, but I also don't know if in some situations confirming the diagnosis is not very helpful, and not changing management also not very helpful. And I'm thinking about those unmeasured benefits as like diagnostic incertitude. Like if I now know what's going on, I might be less prone to try to change things on the wrong basis. I might do less therapeutic acts then. And the other thing is I also might change the number of visits I do to that patient to recheck and make sure they're okay and readjust. And indirectly, I also might then have more time for other patients that need a bit more, you know, work, more, 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 I guess, intentional acts and stuff like that. So we end up maybe improving the flow of the unit in some way by not not necessarily with that single patient changing his management, but by changing the management of the unit as a whole. So where it becomes interesting, if you wanna go like forward and think about it, maybe you need to do block randomization of units at this point, literally of units and see what the outcome of the unit is as a whole. Units that are similar in the same building or units that are different in different building but are, are similar enough that you can compare them and kind of see if the unit with ultrasound may not have better mortality morbidity and so on but they have more throughput Do you get more admission those most discharges and do you end up having more efficiency in the unit that's a very cool outcome to look at in the future i don't know if it's doable but it would be a very interesting one to look at
1: yeah it's a great idea some clinician-centered endpoint like, to, do, does yeah, this, mean, this outcome? make our job easier and reduce our yeah. workload well, is an interesting question. It,
0: yeah. It's a very interesting question. And it goes into, if you want to go a little more, it goes into wellness, like it goes into being able to go through your job and be happy at it and, and providing better care. So I, I think it's a very interesting outcome to go after, really. So I think it, 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 if we dial back to the first study, like the, the randomized trial, like it would have been amazing to have that study and have those process measures cause you would have been able to, to answer a more granular question. Um, so maybe that's the next study a year from now, where from the same group in the same place and kind of see at that point, can you get something different and can you get process measures that explain to you at that point, why it's different than it was a year ago or why is it not? but you still keep the same heart outcomes.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. There's so many factors to consider. When a, a, when a trial about a complex intervention succeeds, the natural question is to ask whether this will be generalizable, generalizable to other centers. For example, the trials on heart failure that we discussed in the last podcast, they're both positive, but we, we kind of agree that there, there must be a, a multi-center trial to confirm that it's generalizable in other centers. Uh, in, in when it fails, like in this case, we wonder what is the next step. How did it fail? What will be the next study? On what? Comp- what? What can we change to uh, in the next effort to uh, to uh, to not redo the same thing? But what can we change to make uh, to, to progress?
0: Yeah, and I think I, I think it's all power to the the study authors on that one because I think it's a very cool study. I think it's very well done. Um, and, you know, when we talk about this, the goal of this podcast is to be positive about these studies. It's just trying to think and be excited about them and how you can do it differently. So I hope that this podcast did that for you guys because I was really, really excited to read this study and talk about it. Um, so um, any, any closing comments, William?
1: No, uh, I agree uh, completely with you. And it was a pleasure uh, to, uh, to review this study uh, with you, Jean. Uh, sure.
0: All right. Well, have a good day, everyone.